All right. Whoops. Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show number three of 2022 and the 19th show since I started in uh, 2022. Oh, this is 2023. Excuse me. It was number three of 2023. Anyway, I chose the title Live Courageously because that's been the conscious theme of my life for the last two years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and an unconscious theme of my life for most of my life. Um, if you haven't seen the previous 19 podcasts with some of my amazing friends sharing their powerful stories of overcoming all odds and going on to live their best lives, you can watch them on my John Duffy Live Courageously YouTube channel. And this show is about faith over fear. I believe fear is just a reaction, but courage is a choice. And I suggest that you consciously choose courage to get through life and to deal with whatever life may throw at you in the future. So today, let me introduce you to my guest and good friend, Henning Morales. Henning Morales is a best-selling author, a speaker, filmmaker, a mentor. Henning is widely considered a premier motivational speaker and thought leader. He's delivered keynote speeches to over a million people on four continents. His passion for providing motivation, guidance, counseling, and mentorship to young people to enable them to lead happy, productive lives has become his life's purpose. His inspiration stems from his personal experiences, having been a confused 17-year-old troublemaker who met some high-powered motivational masters, opening him up to some age-old principles of success and happiness. Hennon is the author of the best-selling novel, The Dirt Merchants, a brave, inspirational, and triumphant true adventure. Although he's involved in multiple projects, including books, public speaking, events, and film, they all have one central theme the direct coaching of kids and the coaches, parents, aunts, uncles, teachers, and other kids who influence them. He defines kids as young people just getting out of school or people of any age who are young at heart. His films have been called A Cross Between the Breakfast Club, The Sopranos, and a Tony Robbins Seminar, Action Adventure, Musically Charged, and I mean really musically charged, and Transformational Film Experiences. Hennon is finishing his 12th film, the third part of the Hit a Twist trilogy and is embarking on an international film festival run featuring a number of his feature length and short films, including Zentastic, Street Chase, and Hero, and A Hit a Twist. Additionally, Hennon is co founder of the Youth Mentorship Forum, um, hosted by the Upward Bound Mentorship Program at the University of Southern California. California, California. The forum was founded to cater directly to today's youth and the specific challenges they face. It brings together experienced, successful leaders who have committed to support their communities by mentoring young people looking for guidance to grow in a healthy, safe, and successful manner. Currently, Hennon is also developing a woman's empowerment epic film, The Saintly, produced by Sandra Scarletti and Scott Rosenfeld, a producer of Home Alone, Teen Wolf, and many other classics, and his company is Dirt Merchants Films. So at that point, let me welcome my good friend, Henning Morales. Welcome, brother. Hey, thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being here and part of it. I usually start out the show with people I know uh, the, with two questions. The first question I ask is if they remember when we first met. So that's my first question to you. Oh yes, I think I think we met. We might have met in passing somewhere else, but I the first time I remember having a conversation with you was at uh, Ryan Long's event at LA Live, 
And uh, that uh, was uh, back 2017, I believe, or 18. And that was a, uh, a personal development event. And you were speaking and I was speaking. And I think we met somewhere in passing. Yeah, and was I, that the first time or was that am I right or wrong about that? Well, you know, I it may yes, it was that, but it was an event downtown at some kind of fashion place, I think. Yeah. And downtown you were LA Live, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were speaking about the uh, the book Dirt Merchants, um, yeah. which I mentioned, and then you were talking about turning it into a film, which I was like, Well, this is interesting. Here's this guy, he's never done it before. I mean, <laughs> you were just full energy, 100 percent confident you were gonna do this, make it happen. And so I think we had a conversation at that point. And then, of course, we connected further and further. And we'll get into that after, uh, you know, sure. with that experience. But so that was my first question. And the second one was, what does uh, live courageously mean to you? Well, you know, in, in your intro, you, you, you hit the nail on, on the head. Uh, in my opinion, there's either fear or love. There's, you, you can't have both. It's fear or love. So uh, living courageously is living through love. And not fearing uh, the um, the unknown, not fearing the unexpected, not fearing you know what could happen, not worrying about it, and that's a challenge uh, for 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 many of us, especially those of us who are going after big big dreams, big goals, big aspirations, because you're constantly dealing with with new situations that you probably should be fearful of. <laughs> but it's much better. It's instead of feeling that fear, it's much better to feel that love and have faith that things will work out if you take the proper the proper uh, actions. So, so fear, fear versus love, choose love. Choose love every time. Uh, 100%, man. And with that, you know, to go back to you, you know, let's share with the audience your journey. And, and you, you grew up in New Jersey. That's why I have my Bronx hat because, you know, New York, New Jersey, I had to put it on for you. Yeah. But um, so you started out there, and I mentioned in your intro, you know, when you were young, you were uh, a troublemaker, knucklehead kid, like uh, many of us growing up back in the day. And uh, But that started you on a journey, and that journey eventually led to the stuff that you did, a motivational speaking all around the world. So take us on that journey uh, from that kid, that troubled kid, because it influences so much of your writing and your films. So take us on that journey from the beginning. Absolutely, John. Uh, you know, again, the Bronx, the Bronx is the best borough in all of New York, first of all, I have to say. And it's because it's the home of the New York Yankees. That's the reason. All right. Secondarily, because John's from the Bronx. All right. Um, so that's uh, two good reasons for the Bronx. Yeah, all right. The, the, the first time I went to New York ever was to go to a Yankee game in the Bronx. Like growing up in New Jersey, I was a baseball player. John, I was a huge baseball fan, huge Yankee fan. Uh, baseball, you could say I've played all sports, but baseball was my love. And and by the time I got into um, into high school, I was a I was a recruited baseball player. That was my that and 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 my sole purpose in life was to replace Greg Nettles at third base for the <laughs> New York Yankees. And wow. that's what I was going to do. I, I I switched from catcher first. It was to replace Thurman Munson, and then you know we lost Thurman, and I switched to third base and. <clears throat> And that was my 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 sole purpose. I was a happy-go-lucky kid, uh, fun, good student. And because of an injury, a sports injury, which I won't go into the details uh, of it, uh, but basically I got hurt and could not play sports anymore. And what that caused for me at that age, I had never had to deal with the fact that I wasn't 
that I that I that I I did not have a purpose. I did not have a uh, a direction. I did not have a way to go because my way to go was always sports, and that's where my mentors were, my coaches, and in 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 all the sports, including baseball, with football and basketball. I played in wrestling and tennis. I played I played multiple sports, and I always had coaches that would encourage me and push me uh, to be better and. Um, and also to give me advice on life. And, you know, as you're, as you're coming of age, you know, you need a lot of advice as a teenager. And I was 15 when that, when that happened. And, and I got, I, I, I lost myself. And, and you know what, John, uh, I, I said, I, I was the absolute best at, at sports in my mind at the time. I was, obviously I said, I'm going to be the absolute best juvenile delinquent there won't be any, they'll be talking about me forever. <laughs> I, I set out to be the best possible juvenile delinquent possible, which isn't, isn't the best, best, best plan usually as a teenager. <laughs> but you set yourself a new goal, but you know, it's kind of funny what you're saying, but you know, later when you talk, when you talk about your mentoring, you're, you're right. Cause like sports for teenagers and for young people, having sports mentors, coaches and, and, and leaders in the field of sports really can help kids growing up to become successful, to become happy, to be able to have a purpose and a mission in life. And not everybody does because not every kids participate in team sports or have that, that purpose. But that's one type of thing that can influence young people for a positive. And when you lost that positive, then you kind of pivoted to something else. And that was your pivot um, because of the injury. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it 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 sports, youth sports is is such a um, is such an important part of our culture in this country to develop young people. Any sport doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is. Any sport uh, has ha, every sport has has that built in coaching and mentorship. Uh, and as soon as I was able to coach my first son in um, in little league baseball, I, I, I relished that opportunity. And I also was um, was able more recently to coach my my other two sons, and so I spent uh, years coaching baseball, which was my my first love. And and uh, uh, you know, fortunately for me, by the time by the time I was able to uh, I was able to coach my third year, I was able to pick the name of my team, and of course, I picked the New York Yankees. And so I really actually was I didn't play third base, but my son played. <laughs> And I coached third base for the New York Yankees. I did it. I made my goal. Uh, but back back then, uh, you know, when 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 a kid um, when a kid uh, doesn't have a substitute, it's not that, that that sports is the only way to go in terms of mentorship for for, for kids. Uh, if there's no substitute, if there's no if there's no no uh, nobody else that can fill that void, uh, it's very easy for a kid to get off track and. And uh, we talk about that a lot at the youth mentorship uh, forums. I know you came and spoke to the kids once uh, uh, over at USC, and we got kind of got knocked 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 out of the game for a couple of years uh, because the college was actually was closed just just recently reopened. So we're going to get back to, to coaching these these kids, and we emphasize it all the times. So we we don't just coach kids; we coach parents, we coach coaches, we coach uh, educators, and just just making them aware of the importance of of having these kids have a direction, have a purpose, have a way to go. And that's what keeps kids out of trouble. And for me, I had never gotten any trouble in my life prior to uh, being knocked out of sports. And then after that, I just lost my, I lost my mind because I didn't have any, I didn't have anything to replace that, that, uh, that, 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 that support structure, which sport, which sports gave me. And again, it's not even just 
the coaches, it's also the older kids and the better kids on your team. When you're a freshman baseball player and you can look up to people who are on the, uh, on the varsity team, those are your mentors. They're, they're close to your own age, but that example also uh, really uh, helps a lot. And we, 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 we showed that in, um, in Ann Hero more than anything else, that the older kids can be the mentors as well as uh, adult coaches and whatnot. And so, okay, so that ended, you know, like you said, you set yourself a goal, be the, the greatest uh, juvenile delinquent. I don't know if you succeeded at that or not, but you probably went, got close. Um, what's, and that puts you obviously in another crowd instead of uh, older uh, sports kids giving you positive mentorship. Now you're getting negative mentorship by the other juvenile delinquents who are like, you know, um, and so that took you at least for a period of time in a less than positive direction. Right. So tell uh, us. A absolutely. I, I would do anything to get attention um, at, at that time. A lot of fighting, a lot of acting up in class, a lot of acting a fool as much as I could to get some, get people laughing at me. Although I was never, never laughing because that wasn't cool. So you have, <laughs> you have it takes a certain skill set to make this happen. And, and for me, uh, you know, my parents is interestingly enough, when I tell my story and when, when I started on this journey of coaching, uh, of coaching and mentoring, I felt a little reluctant because I didn't have a difficult upbringing. I grew up middle class. Uh, I grew up in a nice household. I wasn't. I didn't grow up around abuse or alcoholism or or any type of um, uh, any type of issues. Um, I grew up in a very regular situation, and I and I and I never had any issues with my surroundings. The challenge with that, though, I realized later, which is when I started to tell my story, people could relate. My mother and father, because I was always okay, they never really paid much attention to me because he's okay. And, right. and that, that's, that's something that we coach parents, even though your kid is doing great, still stay on it and see if anything changes. Because if something changes in their world, you need to know about it so that you can maybe take some action to help out. But they were totally not part of that process. So I couldn't, I couldn't uh, depend on them because I wasn't, I, I didn't have that as my, my, my fail safe prior. I never used my family as my support structure. It was always the sports. So they were out of the picture and I just wanted to get attention. I wanted people talking about me. I wanted to, I felt such a void from, from not being, being able to perform on a sports field that I had to have that attention. I craved it, which is, which is very immature. Sounds like something a 16, 17 year old kid would do. And that's a, so at the time it made perfect sense to me. And, and the crowd I was with, as you mentioned, the crowd I was with, as you get older, from you graduate from troublemaker to juvenile delinquent to criminal. That's that's the that's the the, the ladder. And that's uh, the way, the way it happens. Yeah, that's the that's the, the, the ladder on the wrong side of the, the leaning on the wrong the wrong building. Right. right. So I was headed in that direction. My 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 we were getting older. I turned 17. I got my driver's license. Uh, you know, my, 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 my friends start getting into more and more problems and issues, uh, that were serious. And again, we're almost going to turn 18 and now all of a sudden the, 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 the things that used to be fun and games now are, are serious. And, uh, it was in my first day of summer, uh, vacation in 1983, it was, uh, uh, going into my senior, senior year. And, um, uh, I, I, I went into this insane uh, this insane uh, environment of sales gurus, motivational speakers. And it was a really weird thing because all of a sudden 
uh, I was I, I I went went for this job interview and I got I was surrounded by all these 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 motivational masters that felt to me like coaches. They felt like sports coaches, but they were coaching business, making money, right? And I gravitated towards that group. And even though the circumstances were 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 very strange and interesting, and if you want to know more about how that all goes, you know. You, I have a novel that I wrote called The Dirt Merchants, as you mentioned earlier. We made several movies about this world, and it's just a, a really strange mix of, of um, young people, who, many of whom came from the streets, who were becoming very successful in business and teaching business concepts. And that uh, got me away from my troublemaker friends. It got me away from... It got it developed me a, a purpose. I learned uh, learned things, and I can get into that. You might have another question before I get into what I learned uh, during those 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 fir first few months. And I, and and John, I completely changed. I, I was I was a different person. Uh, my mom comes up on Sundays to visit. Sometimes she just left a little, little while ago. We talked about uh, the the Tao Te Ching, which is the ancient uh, Chinese uh, philosophy and. And a, and a theme of a recent movie that I that I made called and the theme was do people change right and and of course the theme is the theme stated is people can people change and we say yes people can 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 change because I was a different person uh, and it didn't take weeks and weeks didn't take days didn't even take hours it was instantly as soon as I start hanging around that energy I change and 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 change for the positive and ever since that day I've been I've been passionate about sharing this message with people that you can change, that you should change. If your life, if your life is uh, not what, where you want to be, you should change and make the effort to change. And I've been doing that ever since. It's been 30 something years. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing about it too, it, that's um, in that is that at that moment, you know, you could say you had a choice. It might've been conscious. It might've been unconscious or, or a combination of both. But you had a choice and a decision and you made a decision. You were given you had like two paths in front of you and this path appeared and these people appeared and you just gravitated towards that because that's what seemed to be the better path, the better choice, the better decision for you. And you're right. And, then, and in it, what you're saying, too, is sometimes change takes a while. People can change. But sometimes change happens like that in an instant. Um, and so it's, you know, you never know how it's going to happen but you always have a choice to make a change if you want to make a change and that's up to you. So keep going with that. Um, and so from there, you learn some things from them. So maybe like you mentioned, share some of that with us. Well, you know, it, it, interestingly enough, you, you always have, have, have a choice. Every moment's a new, new choice, a new decision to make, do the right thing or do the wrong thing. That's what, that's what my second movie is about. You were part of that movie. You helped me uh, mentor me uh, through that process a little bit. Uh, rebelistic it's decisions. And, and, you know, I made the decision to hang around the positive people and my troublemaker friend, my best friend at the time, um, you know, I had two groups of friends back then. I had my troublemaker friends and I had my good citizen friends. I was still hanging <laughs> on to my good citizen friends because they remember me from from back in the day when I was a good person. And they were like, they they would always scratch their head like, what the hell happened to this kid, right? Because I used to be very <laughs> different, right? So I, I always hung on to both group, groups of friends knowing I would come back to the good people. But my criminal friend or my, my, my friend who was the worst juvenile delinquent with me, uh, had a chance to join me in that journey and couldn't be bothered with all that positive thinking nonsense 
and he used to call it positive thinking lollipops and all those people are crazy. It's a cult. They got you in this, this cult and you're going to snap out of it. And it, he was just so negative about it. He made a choice to not be involved with the positive people and chose a life of crime. And that life of crime uh, led him down a, uh, a path of unhappiness, misery, uh, confusion, uh, sad, sadness, upset, prison, in and out of prison for many, many years. So it's not a, it's, it's not trite when you say, you know, we, we kind of say, yeah, you have a choice. You have a decision to make. It's not yeah. it's a big deal, especially for young people. And this is why I zero in on that mindset. Now our movies, we make movies for all, all, all ages. We zero in on that mindset because people are making decisions, John, as teenagers, they're going to affect the rest of their lives. That's They're right. making decisions on, on to go to college, not to go to college, to join the military or not join the military. You're making that decision as a, at a young age. And notice this, and you're making a decision to um, to uh, hit the, hit the books hard and become a great student, or go party with your friends. You know, go that route. These are decisions that teenagers are making, and these decisions are going to affect the rest of their lives. So, uh, it, it's important now at any age, but this is the the time that we we, we focus on. So, when I met these guys, um, they were all young, brash couple of them that I gravitated to, I always gravitate, gravitate towards like the most successful, like baseball players. Like the, I want to know who the best one is so I can hang out with them and maybe get, get better. So I would gravitate towards the best ones and they had cars, they had cash, they had vacations, they had nice clothes. They, they uh, had beautiful girlfriends and going to fancy restaurants. These are all like kids, kids in their young 20, early twenties, right? Now 17 to me, early twenties might as well be hundred, right. right? That's old, right? <laughs> <laughs> 17, 19 is all 20, right? So I uh, I gravitate towards these guys and I learned uh, about, first of all, I learned how to set a goal. Now, back when I was, before all this, I didn't know that that was something that you could do, set a goal. I, the goal is something that there's a goal post and you kick the ball at the goal post, right? That, that's the goal, right? That's not, uh, you know, you hit the goal, the ball over the fence. That's a goal. But I never knew, as interesting as this is, I never knew the concept of setting a goal in life or setting a goal to do this if it wasn't sports, right? So I realized you can set goals in other areas of your life, like set a goal to be a good person. Like what a concept. What a concept <laughs> indeed. Set a goal not to be a jerk. That was our first goal, right? Because I was kind of a jerk back then. And so, uh, you know, you set a goal. So that was very important to set 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 a goal and then work towards a goal. Another another big thing in the early days, things that were just, just uh, made all the difference in the world, that I had no idea about and the idea of having a, a positive attitude, you know, and uh, you know, we were kids that didn't read, but we didn't read thinking grow rich and, and, and uh, Earl Nightingale and Tony Robbins and all that. We didn't, we weren't readers, but if you read something, it was because you had to read it. You were forced to read and you didn't like it. <laughs> you didn't like the book. Right. Very um, true. And, and again, I'm just talking about like my mindset. I know there's kids that kids that love to read, you know, and that's fine too. But I, we, I wasn't a reader. I didn't know about a book that could be like help you be successful. Like there's there's a mindset for success. I did not know that. Um, you know, uh, when I when they first asked started asking me about my attitude, like how's your attitude? They would say all the time, right? And I and I I always thought that was a bad thing because you know my 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 mom would ever always say to me, "Don't give me attitude." <laughs> <laughs> don't give me, or they would say you have a bad attitude. No one ever said you had a good attitude. I never heard that that concept. So having a good attitude was something that was in the way. to me. I was like, wow, this is great. I could be. I got to have a goal. Set a goal. Have a good attitude. Oh my god! I 
this is I was so happy about this. You can't remember. And I remember the first day, the first day I came back from me hanging out with those guys. And my mom was sitting on the couch. Never forget the summer vacation. Um, you know, it's hot, it's hot and sticky. We got no air conditioning in our house. We had a big fan upstairs. I don't know if you remember the, the summers back in New York back in the early 80s. Oh my god. And Brutal, right? So it's hot, sticky, uh, and I've, I'm out in the streets all day. I've been I've been on the streets of that that day. I was probably out in Queens. I wasn't in the Bronx yet, but we'll, we'll talk about my territories if you want, John. Sure, sure. Uh, we'll go we'll go there for a minute too. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. We have to go to the neighborhoods, and so uh, so I came home and I I actually greeted them. My my mom and my brother are watching TV on the couch, and I greeted them and I said hello, right and my mom was like, hello? What do you mean, hello? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with you? What happened to you, right? And my brother's looking at me. I guess my brother's probably 13, 14 at the time, right? And they're looking at me like, I, like, like I said, what's wrong? I says, well, I haven't had, my mom said this to me. I haven't seen that smile in years, is what she said to me. Wow. My heart broke at that moment because I realized I, in that statement, she was happy about that. She was happy sure. about that, obviously, but she was in shock. And to me, it kind of all hit me like the behavior, like my behavior was affecting all these people, especially my poor mom who didn't do anything. She didn't do anything to me. Right. And I was just giving it was such a hard time, such a hard time. So uh, it, it made it, it made it stick. So, so having a, a goal, having a positive attitude, those were the, those were uh, two of the, uh, the big ones early on because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't averse to working hard. I wasn't averse to, cause I, I had gotten that training from, from sports, especially wrestling. Wrestling was the, was, was the, 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 the most, the, was the toughest workout. Anyone who's wrestled, you know, that workout is, 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 is insane to get ready for, for, for wrestling season. And, and so I wasn't averse to working. So some of the things I learned also during those early days, John working, you know, working, uh, going the extra mile, uh, working hard, uh, I didn't really have a problem uh, with 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 that one. Uh, being a being a nice person, caring about the other guy, that was something that I had to really get. I had to really, uh, you know, get my mind around that concept. Like, care about the other person, because. I never thought about it. Like, like I'm picking yeah. fights with these kids, and I, and it, and when I was in high school, John, I I picked fights, but I didn't pick fights. I, I wasn't. I don't pick fights with, with smaller kids, and I wasn't a big a big kid. You know, I was reg, probably regular size, right? I was always find the biggest, the biggest type, the biggest guy I could find, biggest strongest guy I could find, pick my <laughs> with him, right? Because that gets people talking, right? It's no, it's 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 no honor to beat up someone that's smaller, but if you can slay the the dragon, right? Then you can have some honor, right? So, but I, I, I was, I was like, I never thought about like their feelings, like, like what they would be, what they would be thinking. You know, this kid is picking a fight with me. It's, it's bullying, even though it's kind of bullying somebody that may be stronger, bigger than you. It's still bullying, right? Sure. Sure. And I didn't look at it that way. I didn't even care. I didn't think about it, right? And so at that moment, I really, that was a big one. And when you're dealing in business and you're dealing with customers at any level, it's about what the other person wants. It's not about what you want to get out of the transaction. It's what the other person wants. Give somebody else Zig Ziglar said, right? Give somebody else what they want. You're going to get whatever you want, right? Right. And so that those three were probably the biggest ones that really made a huge difference. And I never forgot. I never forgot those lessons 
those those three from the early days. Yeah. And then when when did you pivot or begin uh, motivational speaking and how did that start? And then what was that journey as a motivational speaker and, and doing that before you got into the uh, being an author and then being into the film side of, it, of the world? Well, it started back in those early days after I learned how after I learned the basics. Right. And started to become successful. And I and I went straight to the top of that that company i became the i broke all the records that company and i, I because I, I i i was serious about applying the things that they were teaching and i started to, to, to run the meetings i started to run the trainings and the, the, the groups got bigger and bigger and then when when that all went away when that all went away and that's a whole nother story when that all went away and and i had to make another decision uh, to go back to school, to go, to go to college. And I actually, I dropped out of high school at that time. Uh, and I went back, got my GED at Bergen Community College. You know where that is in, Bur in, in uh, Paramus, New Jersey. We both, we both went on that path of dropping out of high school and getting our GEDs. Yeah. yeah I got my GED and, and it, it, it was, it was so uh, painful because I, I was so embarrassed that I had, that, that I was doing that because the people who did that were, were, it was a stigma to be, to get a GED and go to community college. It was really a big stigma back then. And when you have pride, you know, you feel that. So I used to, there was a little, there was a little cubby hole just before you got up to my attic, a little like cubby there. And that's where I put all my books to study for my test. I put them in, the, I, I was hiding, I closed the door and, in, and I put my little lamp on, I would study and there. Nobody knew that I was studying for my, my GED. My mom didn't know nobody. And finally I, I, I accomplished that goal went to Bergen uh, Community College and then transferred to NYU after, after one year and graduated NYU top honors. Uh, I made Omicron Delta Epsilon. Right. The, thank you. Which is the honor society for economics. I was on the Dean's list every semester and I made, uh, uh, made uh, uh, Omicron Delta, uh, Delta Epsilon. And, uh, and, and, and to me, that was a, a huge accomplishment because being a high school dropout, and not even being able, you know, when I went back to college, I was reading like this. I like literally I had to say the words because I, I was such a bad reader. And eventually I came uh, out to California for law school uh, to San Diego. And I was in law school for a couple of years uh, at, at, uh, at USD. And I met a whole nother group of mentors in San Diego that were tied into Tony Robbins and tied into a lot of the personal development movement that was going on in California back in the early nineties, I got right scooped up in the middle of all that. Eventually I met some mentors that uh, taught me how to, uh, how to, to, to speak publicly, how to command an audience, how to dress, how to posture, how to intonate, how to travel, how to set the big events, how to book the big events. And that group was, I called those the old guys, right? I had the young guys, the young brash guys in, uh, in New Jersey. And then I had the old guys that were, I'll give you, I'll tell you three of the, my, the most influential people. Uh, one of them was Tom Hopkins, who if you've been around the sales world, he's the, 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 the one of the top, Sales of, all, of all time. Uh, I, I, Bobby DePew was my mentor. He was my boss for one year. Bobby was Jim Rohn's first boss. And Jim Rohn is Tony Robbins trainer, as a lot of people know. So I, I kind of had the bosses of the bosses. And, um, and also, uh, also uh, 
uh, had some some other mentors that were um, that were just very powerful. A lot of female speakers that were just commanded the stage, um, and 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 I really I took to that because I realized that that I wanted to share the message of from when I was a 17 year old troublemaker, confused teenager to, to, to graduating with honors from NYU, which was a, was a shocker. Like nobody could believe. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, uh, you know, being in law school and, and, and now I have a chance to, uh, to learn from some of these people. And that's how I got, I developed a passion for, uh, for speaking and speaking to large, large audiences versus just doing the sales doing the sales or doing small sales training, speaking to large audiences, because I could see the impact that I could have, the bigger the audience, the more impact I could have. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because um, I started hearing some of those uh, speakers and uh, motivators. At, at one point I got a job at a uh, Jack Lane health spa as an uh, aerobic instructor and a salesperson. And my sales manager started playing those in his car. And at that time I was like, you know, I just thought it was silly, right? I was like, yeah, he's just, you know, I wasn't, I started listening. And as I started listening, I started hearing the ideas and they started to resonate and then ran across Tony Robbins. And at that point, I had been working in the post office as a mail handler for five years. And I went and did his fire walk right next to my post office, did the fire walk, did the weekend seminar and my life changed forever. And from that point, I made a decision to quit the post office, go for my dreams, which eventually took me to California. But it took me from that point, motivation like you became who I was about. That's what I was about, because if it could change my life. It could get me from stopping negative behaviors, which at the time I was doing um, and transform me in that quick of an instant, a weekend. Wow. You know, I wanted to spread that word to other people about how they could change and how they could pursue their dreams. So that's kind of led us you know, eventually to meet, but, you know, uh, you, so you went from the motivational speaking, you had all those mentors. And then at some point you decided to write this book, sharing your experience, Dirt Merchant. What gave you that decision? Why did you do that? And then of course that opens up the film stuff. So let's start with that. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. And, um, and when I, when I started to learn from my new group, group of mentors, how to do, uh, how to, how to actually speak professionally to me that was like the most ultimate the, 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 it, all of the the, the 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 happiness that i that i had experienced while i was younger i realized that i was happiest when i was teaching these concepts to other people it wasn't just applying the concepts now i had to apply the su success principles and be successful you have to apply it and be successful first. Other things, you, you can't share what you don't know, right? And one of the lines, well, you, you, you know, Spencer says, Spencer's my alter ego in my, my movie. Spencer says, hey, only uh, uh, something or other, I think it's a bad word, only something or other would try to teach something that he doesn't know, you know? And we, we, we see that a lot. And to some people, that's a foreign concept. Why wouldn't I teach you something just because I don't know it? <laughs> because... <laughs> You just shouldn't, right? So I I knew that it worked because it worked for me, and I and I applied these things, and and became successful in my own my own definition of success. Everyone's definition of success is different. I had my certain goals, I achieved my goals, and kept going. And uh, and so to me, I was happiest when I was sharing those concepts, when I would coach my friends, 
when my friends were having difficult situations at that time. And by the way, going back in time again, I'll come back forward, but going back when all that happened, I reestablished all my friendships with my friends. I nearly destroyed all my friendships because I was just such a bad influence on them and such a bad, and I had to go back and, 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 and to me, when I went back and reestablished those friendships, people that I'm still friends with today, many of those people, some of which are collaborators with me on these movies uh, because they remembered me from back then and the change, which is also interesting. So, so developing that, developing that, 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 that those redeveloping those friendships and coaching and mentoring after redeveloping those friendships, some of my friends even. And then when I was at NYU, I would always be the, the leader of the little study group, right. That we had and helping even now kids that would think of me, like wouldn't even like be want to be around me a few years ago in high school. Now I'm, I'm coaching. So my, my point in sharing that with you is that I knew that I found my calling. I knew that's what I really wanted to do that I was, that I, that I loved it. And, uh, and I, and I poured all my energy into that. And I did that for 10 years and I traveled the world as a, as a speaker, as a coach. And uh, I spoke, spoke to groups of uh, 25 to 2,500 to 5,000, 8,000 people, big or big audiences, uh, small audiences, I, wherever there are people I'll go talk, right. And, and, and share, share, share my message. And I, I taught on personal development. I taught on time management. I taught on goal setting, taught on positive mental attitude, sales training, whatever you name the topic. And, uh, and, and it's only because John, only because I learned it from the best people I learned from, and, and you know, monkey see monkey do I copy what they do. Right. So when I saw Jeff Olson and, and, and his talk, I copied that. I like, I, I copied his talk. When I saw Tony Robbins talk, I copied his talk. When I saw, saw Tom Hopkins, I, I just basically duplicate what they did, but do it in my own way. Right. Sure, sure. And so it's not that I invented anything or I created, maybe I put my spin on it, but these are principles that I knew work for these other people. And I applied. So I was very happy and did that for 10 years. And eventually, you know, back then you had to travel to go and, and do your talks. It's not like today where you could do this. You didn't have this back then. You had to go, right? And right. It, 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 I, I want to fa- settle down, have a family. So I couldn't do the, the talks anymore. I had, to, I had to resign out of that. And I started an events production company in L.A., which we t- eventually took public. And that's a whole other adventure. And I got away from the speaking and away from the coaching. And so I started to write down my speeches because – when you, when you do this consistently for a living, it's the same thing. It's like a play. Okay. You, you, you perform the same performance every night until it closes and then you do the other one. Right. So I started back then I had everything memorized and then I started to forget my stories. I started to forget my speeches. And I, and I, so I started writing them down. Eventually that became a novel, which is called the dirt merchants. On and Amazon, that, you can get it on Amazon. Yeah. You get Amazon, the, the dirt merchants. Uh, that's, that's me. And, then uh, I started to, I want to go back and speak again because that's my passion. My kids are now growing up. I can go back on the road now and I'm ready to go. And my friends who are in the movie business, when they heard the story about the two juvenile delinquent kids, one becomes a motivational guy, the other becomes a criminal and all the stories that, that come from it and all true stories, they insisted on, on making movies. They, they turned me into a movie maker, which I was very reluctant to do. Because I know how hard it is and I know how hard people work in this industry. And it's like, John, when you first met me, you're like, this guy's going to make movies. He doesn't know what's in store for him. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. It's hard to be to be great at something. Uh, and, and, and I just I just know that. And I was already a good speaker. 
So I said, why would I want to go make these movies? I got to learn how to do all this. And my friend said, no, don't worry about it. We'll help you. Right. And, and I, I got hooked. I made the first one and a little short film. And then I made a second one. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and people, people dug the movies and I started to get a hang of it. And one thing led to another. And now we've made several movies. Yeah. And well, uh, you know, I, I remember we met, like as you said, back at that event. And then, you know, I ended up helping with uh, a couple of the films and, you know, doing a little bit of everything, doing line producing, AD and uh, acting in one of them, which is just, just, you know, we were just doing everything. You were just make, wearing all kinds of hats and just making right. it happen. And it was a lot of fun. And I met some great people on it. And, and then you just kept pushing it forward. And of course, I went off doing some of the films that I was doing. But you, you know, I always saw you like you were always out there turning them out one after another. I mean, just like against all odds. So I, before I go a little further, I think this would be a good time to just play the trailer and then we'll talk about all the stuff you've done since you started that first one and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. So let me just throw on the trailer and uh, let people see that, the audience see that. It all started with the first installment of the Dirt Merchants film series, Romancery. You go out there, you walk like you're going somewhere. You stick your chest out, you beat it. Which morphed into a feature film version, Rebelistic. Daddy, we fired up. Fired up. Let's go. Yeah. A true love and motivational destinal. Then the raw persistence of Street Chase. What does this guy look like again? A skinny white guy with black hair. Beach. And to raise awareness for the suicide prevention lifeline and hero. And the gritty, pretty love triangle hit her twist. She's messing with my stuff. Shit! From you, and it's gonna stay that way. Mafia turf war, cherryest jam. I will not let her take me down. Dead Out of this world, mindbender, zentastic. The Italian American rock operesque, Vino mm. Royale. Ma non puoi fidarti. The youthful and strange eccentric. Who else would you do, huh? And the Chinese American joint venture, X Dao. Um, a, a, a whole lot of films in a short period of time, man. Yeah, it's five years made all that all that uh, magic happen with uh, only about a thousand other people. <laughs> well, you know, the, the uh, yes, and, and you know, there's a lot of things to say about them. Obviously, the music is, is unique and, and very special, but just the amount of quantity that you turned out during those five years—you know, shorts, features. Um, 
how you did it was pretty amazing too. You know, I know some of the behind the scenes tales of how you pulled off some guerrilla filmmaking and shot at places that is like um, impossible, but they let you do it anyway. Um, but you know, the other period that where you kind of had a quote, um, I think you called it the year of the years of insanity, which was right. the COVID, yeah. right? The, the COVID years when mm -hmm. everybody else kind of uh, shut down or hid or, you know, um, retreated. You went out there and still made films during those two years and found a way to, to, to keep going and keep uh, making stuff happen. So that was something that I was also impressed by uh, you as well. But tell us a little bit about the journey, the amount of films, the things you learned, and obviously... Right. We're going to talk a little bit what you got going in the future because you got if you did all that in five years, I hate to see the next five years. And I mean that in a positive way, because, uh, you know, there's a hell of a lot of content there. Well, we're going to we're going to be doing it together. So get, get ready. Get, get ready for the next five years. Uh, the again, I, I mentioned uh, that my friends, my friends encouraged me to start making movies. Um, being in Los Angeles and uh, being around the entertainment business for all these years, producing events, I've, I've got some really uh, great friends who are really great at what they do. And I, and the first, the first step was uh, developing that mentorship. And you're part of that group, uh, John, that helped me, even though it was a little bit, a little bit later after the book had already come out and we, and we had met, uh, I had friends who gave me really good advice. And I also had some very good uh, for very good connections to help me kind of get off to a fast start and make and making movies. Uh, one of my mentors and very good friends is Andrew Lane, who is a is a very successful music uh, producer. Uh, and another one, as I mentioned, John is one of the people that helped me in the earlier years. And then and then um, and then Richard Walters is another one who's a co-founder at, at 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 Bold Bold Films. And I have other people, and I don't want to leave anybody out. There's a lot of people that really really uh, helped uh, to get things rolling. But I had kind of unfair advantage because I had all these friends that could, could, could show me. Now, none of these people are going to do anything for you. They, they'll give you advice. Then you got to go, <clears throat> you got to go do it. <clears throat> they'll give you collaboration, but you have to do it. Excuse me. So uh, Andrew actually uh, helped to cast the first. I didn't know. I knew nothing about making movies. I had, I had made TV shows before because in the, in the personal development world, you're kind of, you're, there's always interview shows that you do and and um, and and there's uh, there's there's performance performance shows that you do but making a movie is a whole nother world it's not even anything close to what what you do on television on television you go you go fast you turn it out and you keep going right movies you got to take your time do it right you gotta you, if you're making a film you have to slow down and just cover all your bases so the first one John I was very nervous about making a movie. I didn't, I didn't know anything about making movies, but I did have Andrew Lane in my corner who said, I'll help you. He basically said, he said, look, man, these, these books have to be movies. And Andrew did uh, produce High School Musical. He produced Hannah Montana. He produced Disney Mania. A lot of his early work was with kids, teenagers, teenage stars, right? And he gravitated towards the message for teenagers in these movies. It was, it was, it was uh, uh, very obvious why he, why he was a fan of, of the book. And why he wanted to make the movie. So the first one, I was so I was so nervous about making movie. I said, "Okay, we're going to make this all music." <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have to coach anybody on how to act, right? We just do music, right? And we got Andrew Lane. You can just do music. So it's ninety percent music. And second, I want to direct it. I don't know how to direct direct a, a, a direct a, a, a movie. So we hired I hired a director to direct it, and I wrote the script. Andrew provided the the the, the music, and I put it all together. 
um, kind of led the led the charge of putting it all together. And uh, to me, that one was was so special because um, we we made something very unique and very different that tells a story in a very unique way with all the music. And uh, you do it. You do the first one. How do you make a movie? Well, make a movie and then you learn how to make a movie, right? You learn all the things. And by doing a short, I was able to, to, to gather a, a, a skill set, develop a skill set. And, uh, and Andrew helped me a lot. He was with me to cast, we cast the movie. And we cast the movie. We didn't cast based on acting necessarily. We, based, we, ca we cast based on a look that we were going for on this music video type of uh, rock opera movie that we were making. And then I was also fortunate to have Mike Manning, who's a veteran actor, even though he's still a very young man, was young at the time in his twenties and uh, a, to, to be the lead in the movie. So we had, we had somebody who can definitely act. And also he's been on enough movie sets. He can also coach me on how, how it's all supposed to go. Right. So he helped produce it and direct it and, and produce it and acted in it. And then when we screened that John, I screened it at a theater in, in, um, uh, in West LA uh, and maybe it was 150 people there. I don't know how many people were, were there. And I was so nervous. <laughs> I didn't, I, 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 I had so many, I didn't have this many doubts. I didn't have this many doubts in anything for a very, very, very long time. And it was uh, butterflies were going, I wouldn't even go in the theater to watch it. I went down the block. I walked around the block three times while it was going on. <laughs> and I came back in and almost towards the end, I peeked inside. Right. And everybody's staring at the screen. Right. And to me, that was like, wow, they're still here. <laughs> I, I, I think I was there that night. I think I remember. It's um, the same. Yeah. 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 So, so, People liked it. That to me was, if people aren't going to like this, then I'd rather go, go back to speaking, right? And, sure. and not do this. We made one, we're done, one and done. So we said, let's go ahead and make another one, right? Let's have the crazy idea to expand it into a feature film. And then we had to go back to the actors that we cast for the first one. And remember, we didn't even really know their acting skills and they, we coached them all and did, they did a great job in the follow-up movie, which was Rebelistic. And, and that was a feature film, a uh, beautiful movie, and uh, just uh, lots of music, lots of drama, lots of, lots of, of thrilling moments. And, uh, and then that led to, to, to the next one. And right when we were about to, we, 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 were, we were filming the next movie, and we had, my goal was to have, get a couple of movies done and then bring them out onto the festival circuit which we were going to hit on 2020 and we had everything lined up. We had the financing, we had the events we were going to be hitting. We had at that point, we had three completed movies, two shorts and a, and a feature and we're working on another feature. And then 2020 hit and we, uh, we really, every, all our plans went out the window. And so uh, rather than, um, than uh, just go away, we, I got my, my investors together, my team, the, 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 the group who, you know, are such great people and such, they, 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 they get it. They get the message. They were, they're passionate about making these movies because of the messaging and the uniqueness and something different and good and, 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 and offering, uh, offering entertainment for younger people, family, if you will, that is not violent. That's not fantasy based that's not um superheroes and 
capes and there's not they're not shoot 'em ups they're not horror movies they're they're thrillers and they're traumatic and they're music and they're pretty and so offering something different people just love that idea that group we said okay we can go away or we can just keep making more movies everyone kick in let's go everyone 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 put in your your uh, your assets whether it's people whether it's money whether it's locations uh, could be stories could be uh, hands on deck and then we continue to make more movies all throughout the uh, the, the great insanity of 2020 and 2020. I love that saying, the great insanity. It's the great insanity because here's here's why. And I'm not making making light of people that got sick, and, and I'm, not, I'm not doing that at all. The, the challenge with those of us, especially those of us who are making movies, is we didn't know. We didn't know what was happening next. If you remember, we didn't know are we going to be, how long this is going to last. Are we going to sure. be able to plan events? Are we going to be, you, you know, can we make a movie? Are we going to have to be social distancing? Do we have to put the mask on? How do we get the, it, you, there was all this unknown, right? So it was kind of crazy. Like people, right. people, and people went crazy because they didn't know. And a lot of people were, sure. were, 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 uh, were, were pent up. I know we're running out of time here, but pent up. But my point in sharing that is that, is that we, uh, we continued throughout that whole time period, finishing the movies that we were doing. And my awesome team, my great people kept funding and I would kick in, they would kick in and we just kept going. And I, I kept writing and writing and writing. And so in the end, when now is the time to release the movies, we made, we, we made all these films. And I think, I think that um, it's not that this blessing in disguise thing, but it could be something along those lines because it gave us time to really learn the business, gave us time to perfect the movies, to work on our body of work and get them beautiful, get them really ready. And, uh, and that's how we, we, we went through and, and, and you just, the, the, there's three keys, three keys to pull from this and, and, and the live courageously theme, right. Is that first of all, it, you know, it, there was a, it was a, it was a great unknown in, in a lot of things that we were doing. And we went into situations, we went on to film shoots, not knowing if we could shoot or not. We all said we're going to get there. And worst case scenario, we all got to go home. And guess what? We never had to go home. Every time we went and we shot in L.A. during the riots, the riots were just about to happen. We're shooting the scene on the thing. And we and in fact, that day, John, I'll let you get on with your, your closing question here that day. Uh, I, I got a phone call. It's my actors. A lot of my actors are young. A lot of them are teenagers, 17, 18, 19, right? So, so the lead in the movie, his mom called. <laughs> she said, she said uh, you're going to have to come home now. And I'm like, why does he have to come home? And he said, well, they just closed LA. So <laughs> if you don't come home now, you're not ever going to be able. So it's one of those things where, okay, then finally I said, okay, that's it for the day. Let's all go home. The riots are happening. LA's closed and let's move on. So uh, first thing is, that that even through the unknown, you 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 do it. Get develop a great team that can handle whatever's going on with you, and nobody's going to freak out. Okay. And third is is finish, finish what you started. If you begin a project, finish the project, no matter what, because people are counting on you. And one of the things I'm most proud of in this process, John, is that we made 12 movies now, six feature films and six shorter films, if you will. Every single movie we did on on budget, on time, and uh, we completed all of them. And 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 if you, everybody has that mindset, no no fear. We're gonna we're gonna do it no matter what. We're all in this together. We're gonna finish. Then um, then you got something. And that's that's how we got to where we're at right now. 
Well, you know, it just to echo that that mindset is what makes you succeed. And, and it's a hell of an accomplishment to accomplish all of that in five years and to accomplish it during COVID. And the lessons you're pointing out to people is that's how you, you, you know, you, you may be afraid. You may not know how to do it, but you never get to completion unless you do it. And you started and you did it and then you did it again and you learn more and you did it again. And no matter what, you you those lessons that you're sharing are uh, vital lessons for people in whatever field they're in, but especially in the entertainment as well. So to close up, I'm just going to ask you two things. One, one is the upcoming stuff that you have and, you know, share some of that. And then uh, I'm going to ask you to uh, just share a little personal um, something that you're proud of personally. And I'll, I'll trigger that in a minute, but first tell me, um, cause I think that's one of the biggest accomplishments as well that you should be proud of, but that talking about the film going forward, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the, uh, in, in making the, in completing the movies that we completed in finishing people notice, people notice what you're doing. And a lot of my friends who are in the movie business have been watching me through the years and John being one of them. And, uh, and basically uh, I'm very proud that what we were able to accomplish during those few years has led to some bigger, bigger projects now. And uh, right now we're in the process of releasing all the movies. We've got 12 movies that, that very few people have seen. We've been waiting until we could do events and promote properly and also finishing making, polishing the movie. So we polish the movies that we've made out of the 12, seven of them are completely finished and ready to, ready to go. And um, the rest are being done over the next several weeks. So we're releasing those movies. And uh, we have some very unique opportunities for distribution of those films. And at the same time, uh, we, uh, I've, I've got five additional feature film scripts that I've written in this, in this process. And uh, one of the films that we made uh, called X-Dow, uh, the producer, Scott Rosenfeld, uh, was brought in by my Chinese uh, production partners to critique the movie and uh, tell us how we can make it better and how we can edit it better. Basically, we had a rough cut. And I was like, oh, great. You brought a producer that's done a billion at the box office <laughs> to critique my little sub-million dollar movie. Not very nice, right? So he was kind about it. We made the changes. We developed a friendship. And because of that experience and because of him seeing that movie and also seeing my wife in that, in that movie, he basically decided to come on with us to produce a new feature film called The Saintly. And we've been able to attract uh, lots of great people. John, you've been with us on the team since the beginning. So I appreciate, appreciate that and walking me through some of the landmines of getting into a multi-million dollar production now for the first time. And so we're excited about that. It's about a female undercover operative who's, who's changing careers to become an inspirational master. And so you can see how all the baggage and problems being a cop through the years just come right with her. So it's a cool little theme, women's empowerment, PTSD, um, really cool theme stated and a great lesson and a great inspirational uh, journey. And then we have, uh, that one is in late development. And then um, I have four other films that I've written, Metal Crush, Dirt Merchants 1 and 2, which are the original stories from the novel, which we never actually told the story from the book. And then an epic uh, journey, uh, multi-generational journey, uh, Motec that, that spans many generations and is kind of the swan song. And all the movies are a series. They all go together. They all fit together. There's this big puzzle that, that comes together in the end. 
and it's going to be inspirational for a lot of people and excited for people to see the films and make the new ones. And we're going to be busy here for the next several years uh, making these movies, John. And for people who want to get involved, and I look forward to uh, working with you on this one, the Saintly in particular, as well as others down the road. But for people who want to get involved with Dirt Merchant uh, Films, Dirt Merchant Universe, Dirt Merchant's Tribe, where do people go to uh, get involved, support you, see what you're doing? Where's What's the contact information for that? Yeah, just start dirtmerchantsfilms.com, just like it sounds, dirtmerchantsfilms.com. Everything's there. The trailers are all there. You can send an email, get involved. Uh, yeah. with us, uh, and uh, we are uh, we're 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 open to backers. We're open to collaborators. We're open to new friendships. We're open to motivators. And uh, I, I want to just mention we're marking the movies primarily through the inspirational, motivational, transformational world. People like John Duffy who have a message and 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 have a platform. That's how we're marking. So if you have that, we're all about uh, about doing a, a a joint a joint venture where we can all make money on the sales of these movies so we can make more. Exactly, and, and, and touch people more because that's the whole message from the, your whole life of motivation and mentorship and all that. And this is just another form that you're using to do the same thing and reach people in a different way. And so it's very powerful. Um, I'm glad to have you on the show. Before uh, we finish, and I'm gonna ask you you know, uh, any closing notes, you also recently had a very proud moment with um, besides mentoring, being a parent. and. Um, that's something I just wanted to, if you're willing to share that. Um, yeah, I, I can. I can only share. I can only share so much of that. But I, I, I can tell you this: that that you know, when you when you live um, with 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 the principles and the uh, the integrity that John teaches, that we all learn from the masters from way back, and we're all passing down to the to the to, to the new kids. You know, being a parent is a big part of that, a big part of that process because everything you're doing rubs off on your kids. And uh, a lot of the a lot of the mentorship and coaching that I learned, I just give to my kids every single day, right? And so uh, I've got four great great kids. They're all motivated, great citizens, and and uh, and good people. And my my oldest um, uh, graduated uh, as a pilot from college uh, in top honors, and was accepted into a very uh, prestigious uh, training program, officer training program, in the United States Navy. And uh, he is um, uh, now uh, serving our country. And, and, and again, for me, for me to see this, um, the transformation of, of, a, of a kid uh, that just was, was positive, happy-go-lucky, motivated to now this like serious officer, he's still the same happy-go-lucky kid, but to see like the pride when we went to go to the graduation uh, month back and, 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 and to see the, 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 the pride in his, in his uh, classmates and also my pride as a, my, my uh, pride as a, a parent and the, the, the concepts that we're sharing, they work. It's not, it's not an experiment. You can make your life better. You can have a positive impact on these kids. You can definitely do it. It's going to take a little work. It's going to take a little attention. But hey, we're working anyway. Might as well work at doing the right thing versus not just not doing anything about it. So I'm I'm very proud of my my oldest son. My my uh, other ones, they're all doing great. They're younger. They're they're they're, they're make paving paths and pay, paving their way in this in, in this world. And um and and in the end, when it's my time to start slowing down, I know that I've got four four motivators out there that are just spreading positivity. And how could that hurt? How could that be? How could that not help 
humanity? How can that not help the country? How can that help my community? How can that not help my na- my neighborhood? I mean, it's going to be nothing but positive, and that's where we should be heading. And I guess that's my closing my closing comment is head head towards the light, head towards positivity, head towards a, a, a direction that's going to help people. And um, and if we got need to do some work on ourselves first, let's do that first. Do the work on yourself, then you share. I think that's a very powerful message. And like you said, you know, that person told you you're you're alter ego. You got to walk the talk. You got to be the example from what you learn. Clearly you are. Hey, Henning, uh, thank you so much, brother, for being on this show and sharing this with everybody. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure knowing you and and working with you. And let's keep promoting that positivity and encourage people to be the best they can be. Um, Once again, if you want to check out uh, Henning, uh, dirtmerchantfilms.com. You can go there, look at the information, touch base, connect with them, get involved on any level that you can and support this activity. If you want to be part of that community, uh, it's there. Um, so look forward to this year. Look forward to making this film with you and look forward to the to the journey forward, man. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you being on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a great one.